G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There is a wise insight in the book of Proverbs that says the tongue has the power of life and death. Well, I wonder if this wisdom from God is just about the way that we might influence people and situations. Or I wonder if there are other dimensions where the words we might speak out in prayer have such power that they move the hand of God. Some attention today to the words we speak and the way that we wield what may be a very powerful weapon. After all, the sword of the Spirit from Ephesians chapter 6 is a metaphor for the way we use the Word of God. And so as transformed Christians, we don't sound like the unbelievers. James tells us fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring. So we're going to talk about the power of words this hour. Our special guest, Catherine Ruanala, has a new book coming out this year. It's called Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words. Catherine is an international conference speaker with a practical message of love and hope reaching across denominations. She hosts her own television show on the International Daystar Television Network, and she's authored a number of books, including Living in the Miraculous, Wilderness to Wonders, and Life with the Holy Spirit. Catherine and her husband, Tom, are founders of Glory City Church in Brisbane. Catherine Ruanala, a special welcome back to 2020. Such a joy to be here, Neil. Thanks for having me. Catherine, let's come to your new book, which is really in its sort of uh, end stages of getting it together now. And uh, you're expecting to release it a little later this year. Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words. Is this a topic that you've picked up because there's a necessary reaction that has to be made? What's the reason for choosing a topic like this, which is so important? Well, I really felt that the Lord wants us to become aware of the power of our words. Just as you shared, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And, you know, we can grumble and complain or we can start to use our words to creatively speak. You know, the Bible says that the Lord created the world with his words and that we've been created in his image. And so I really wanted to share my journey of how powerful it is when we begin to understand that we prophesy when we speak, that we are declaring uh, things to come. And, you know, the Bible also says that we're to call things that be not as though they are. That's what God did. And uh, so I'd love to share with you some of uh, the wisdom that the Lord has been uh, downloading from the Word of God. If we remember back to a time when, and everyone can do this as an exercise, you remember back to the time when you were an unbeliever, you were not a Christian, it's your pre-Christian days, the way you spoke, the way you thought, and what happened from the time when you made a decision to follow Christ, when you were born again, and you had this new transformed life ahead of you. 
Is this a fair way of talking about how we used to speak and how we ought to speak now? And perhaps we'll talk about the fine-tuning on how we ought to speak now, but, uh, but this is a good little exercise, isn't it, to talk about what was and what now is expected of us into the future? Well, absolutely. You know, I think that when we're, when we're making declarations like, oh, I'm sick and tired of this, or oh, I'm getting old, uh, what we are actually saying is we, we, are at, we are beginning to create room for the very things that we speak to come to pass in our lives. And instead, I believe that the Lord wants us to learn what it looks like to speak life. When the Lord spoke to Abraham, Ab- his name was Abram, and he didn't have any children, but he had a promise from God that he would be the father of many nations. So the Lord uh, took him outside. He said, look up at the sky. And he saw all the stars and he said, now I want you to picture what it's going to look like. As many of the stars that you can see, can you count them? He said, that's what it's going to look like. And then he, he, he instructed Abraham to start calling himself Abraham instead of Abram, which means father of many children. And he was calling those things that be not as though they are. He was making a declaration, I'm the father of many children before he ever had children. Sing, O barren, you who've not born. And so I believe the Lord wants us to begin to get a picture of the purposes and the promises of God to see it with our sanctified imagination and then to say it. He did the same thing with the sand on the sea, uh, seashore. Can you count the grains of sand? No? Well, that's a picture I want you to get in your head of what it's going to look like when my promise comes to pass and then begin to say it. I'm the father of many nations. I can picture it. I can see it. He said to him, as far as you can see, you can have when he was getting him to look out at the land. And in the same way, I believe we need to get a picture of the promises of God. We need to Put it front and center, center, believing this is what you said, Lord. This is the will of God. This is what you want it to look like. Therefore, I'm going to start calling those things that be not as though they are so that I can begin to partner with God to see his promises fulfilled. I can see there's a number of dimensions here and you've got this individual dimension, the individual person and who they are, their identity before God. Then you've got this new level of perhaps the community around us. You could even put the family in there, your family, your community, and then right up to your speaking on behalf of the nation, perhaps up to the parliament. So you've got all these different dimensions. So let's stay with this individual uh, me dimension for a few moments because what I can hear you say is if you've got the attitude, woe is me, I'm just a loser, you need to get an idea what God says about you and change the way that you speak about yourself because God doesn't see you as, woe is me, I'm a loser. No. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we need to very deliberately take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That is, any thought you have about yourself as a believer, someone who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says now, as he is, so are we in this world. So any thought we have about ourselves that doesn't line up with the character of Christ needs to be taken captive, cast down, and replaced with truth. And so the Bible says that we are the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord 
say so. He says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, so we need to say so. He says that by his stripes we were healed, so we need to say so. You know, the, the conversation in heaven is something I think about sometimes. The Bible tells us that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are interceding continually for us. And I, I, I can't imagine that they're in heaven um, speaking to the Father saying, oh, please help them. But the scripture actually says that they are speaking and praying in absolute harmony with the will of the Father. So all together, they are up there declaring his will. And then we have the opportunity to declare your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is coming into agreement with what they are declaring in heaven. The revealed will in heaven needs to be spoken on earth. The promises of God, the prophecies that we have over our life, the promises are not necessarily inevitabilities, but invitations waiting for our response. So the promise of God is that with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. Whatever scripture or promise you find in the word of God, the Bible says that we're co-heirs with Christ, that we now are heirs of these promises. But those promises are invitations requiring a response because we've been given the keys of the kingdom here on earth. So this is the will of God, and we as stewards on earth have a responsibility to use the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, to speak and to create in this realm what is being declared and desired in the heavenly realm. This is a beautiful and very powerful point you're making. Let me just reflect on uh, what was very controversial about this style of thought uh, going back over the past few decades. Uh, Because you'll remember, Catherine, that there was uh, some sayings that used to go around, um, things like um, uh, the old uh, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Uh, you're right. That was, that was a yes, saying that was going on. Yes. In actual fact, uh, there were some ministers of the gospel that got really tarred with a brush mm, uh, because mm. they had a, a movement towards this idea that, that somehow, rather in a Western style Christianity, uh, that if you said, uh, you know, I, I really like that new Mercedes Benz over there, I think I might, uh, I might uh, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, and they almost became this sort of consumerist materialism that overtook the idea of the way we speak and it wasn't about the character and it wasn't about the identity that we have all of a sudden it became very worldly well it also became formularized Mm, yep and I, i think that is a problem when we start to um we use god like a formula and that's that's not what he's saying. I was the same. In fact, I was one um, among the mockers that would would use terms like that when I was younger. And it was ignorance, really, in that this this is a principle of God that as we start to make declarations that are not based on a formula. I'll say this and I'll have this, but. This is the will of God for my life, and therefore I am going to partner with heaven using my words to speak life, to decree a thing and see it established. Uh, it, it changes the world around you. I've been, so I'm really conscious now of my, my words. I'm very careful not to speak out negative things because I don't want them 
created in my future. I'm very careful about how I speak about my children or my husband. It all really began for me. I was in Korea with some other wonderful leaders and just making small talk with them while we were waiting uh, for a, a bus that was going to take us to a stadium to, to have a big prayer meeting. And I said to one of the leaders, I said, oh, poor Tom, he has to put up with that, this, 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 and this. And um, and one of the leaders just looked at me and said, why would you say that about your husband? And I thought to myself, oh, well, it's just a habit that I have. And then I realized, no, I actually don't want to declare that about him. And I began to really consider, you know, what I have habitually fallen into and begin to shift my Speaking so that I begin to declare things like my children are, are successful. My children love God more than I do. That I, I get, I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm well. I'm blessed. I begin to speak things like, um, my prayer life is flourishing instead of saying, Oh, you know, uh, um, I'm sick and tired of this or I'm not doing very well. I'll begin to speak life and begin to prophesy what I want to see come to pass. And it, it becomes particularly pertinent uh, when we're speaking about those that we love too. This is a really wonderful point because sometimes I think in family life uh, we accept what we've the hand we've been dealt uh, to use a different sort of uh, an analogy there and somehow or other you know uh, the gene pool didn't get passed down in a perfect way and mm. our kids might not be the best behaved they might be you know rebellious and they're doing all sorts of stuff and you're wondering how we're going to get control mm. back here mm. and somehow or other the words we speak about our children are going to be very important because you know if life and death are in the power yeah. of the tongue and let's not just think of that as some sort of positive psychology, which we might get onto in just a few moments. But, but when we speak these things that are ac- according to the word of God, then we're going to be shaping them according to the purposes of God. Absolutely. And this has got to be the most valuable thing we can actually talk about. It's true, actually. I had a testimony from a lady recently who was listening to me sharing on speaking life and I was talking about how important it is that we are careful not to grumble and complain about our spouses and our children, but rather to make declarations about what we believe the will of God is for them, to to call those things that be not as though they are. You know, instead of grumbling and complaining, oh, my husband's not very affectionate, my husband, he doesn't express himself very well, or, you, you know, whatever women or men might say about their spouses – you know, you have to determine, is that what I want for my future? And if not, we need to shift our, our conversation. We need to shift our speaking about them and say, you know, they are so loving, they're so kind, and call those things that be not as though they are. And this lady was listening to me, and uh, she got so convicted because she realized five years earlier, her husband had um, made some business decisions that had caused them to lose everything. And she just went to town on him with her words saying, you are, you, you look what you've done. You are, you've got no financial sense. You, you, and she just tore him down speaking what she was seeing as truth. But as a result, her, she lost her marriage and she went back to her husband after hearing this, who were, they were divorced. Uh, they'd been separated for four years, divorced for one year. Uh, he'd started seeing someone else. And she went back to him and said, I need to 
apologize to you. I, I destroyed our marriage with my words. And you know what? They began seeing each other again. They've started to come back together. And she's now speaking words of life. Instead of saying, well, he doesn't do this. I don't like this. He doesn't meet my needs. She's speaking, you know, he knows, he knows how to, to make me feel loved and, and beginning to, to declare those things that be not as though they are actually opens the door for that person to become who you are declaring them to be. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. We're talking about speaking life, creating your world with your words. Catherine Ruanala is our guest. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Or you can leave a message, a comment or a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Catherine, let's take a call or two. Let's hear, first of all, from Joseph in Blacktown in Sydney. Hello, Joseph. Welcome along. Yes. What are your thoughts, Joseph? Oh, um, yeah, just listening to the, to the lady. Congratulations. Um, back in the uh, early this century, I think around about in the 50s, um, Norman Vincent Peale, um, he was a, um, uh, an author and pastor, wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thoughts. Um, it came to light after that, that that a lot of his teachings were very new age. Um, we had pastors like Robert Schuller take it a step further, The Power of Positive Words. So we have to be a little bit careful uh, that we don't sort of, Start getting across into this um, uh, word faith uh, heresy because yes, you know, partnering with God, but but we've, we've also got to submit to Him and allow Him to be Lord and reign in our lives because a, a prosperous, you know, uh, um, uh, five-star lifestyle may not be uh, His plan for us. I'm very, very careful what I pray and ask for with the Lord as far as using me in ministry because. You know, we've done some mission work in Kenya, and he might just want to plonk me there in, in, in northeast Kenya where I'll be exposed to people like Al-Shabaab. So it's not all uh, always, um, you know, uh, making him a partner to get our, our wishes. Joseph, very, very you make an absolutely incredibly important point in that and uh, when you reflect on some of those uh, early teachers uh, power of positive thinking Norman Vincent Peale yes of course there are problems with that Uh, I guess there's a caution we need to have that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because in fact we can find lots of good scriptural uh, reference but I I think we do need to be very cautious about the sorts of things and the way we think Uh, Catherine Ruanala your thoughts for Joseph no, I, I I agree. We need to be wise. But what we're talking about here is actually declaring the will of God, the revealed will of God in the Word of God for our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, we have we we're not helpless in that we have power to use those words as weapons to declare life. And and so I I think it's an important thing that we even particularly in Australian culture, change our words from being knockers and people who are uh, negative or cynical into words that are speaking the, the will and the, the words of God. And so, uh, you know, while I understand um, the New Age and, and you know, this is uh, a topic that is has power and so when it's used as a formula or it's used in other forums uh you know they under they recognize the power of that but when we as believers come into agreement with the will of god in and uh 
and the Word of God, then that what we're doing is uh, using what He created uh, for the good of um you know, his kingdom. Self-talk, positive talk, positive thinking uh, is just a positive psychology if it's not attached to the word of God. So Absolutely. there's a sense in which we have uh, self-talk and God talk. And I think what I can hear you saying, Catherine, is God talk, uh, not self-talk. And I can hear you saying, Joseph, yes, be very cautious because, yes, there's, it's very easy to take off onto a tangent here and uh, become very oriented with worldly thoughts. Uh, Joseph in Blacktown, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Jeff is on the line from Geraldton in WA. Hello, Jeff. G'day, how you going? Very well, Jeff. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, yeah, I was just thinking here now, at the present moment, what a beautiful country we live in. I'm just looking out over the Indian Ocean at Geraldton, Western Australia, and what a beautiful sight it is. Anyway, um, I've just celebrated 33 years as a born-again believer in Christ uh, this uh, last month. And I celebrate 33 years being married to my beautiful wife in May later on this year. And, um, yeah, whatever you say, out, what, what comes out of your mouth is what happens. And I tell my wife I love her every day, every morning. And we've got a beautiful relationship together and with God and with Christ. And, yeah, you've just got to speak those positive things out of your mouth. And you've got to believe and do what the Word says regarding being married and having a relationship. What um, a wonderful testimony, Jeff. Let's get a thought or two from Catherine. That is so so powerful. Congratulations on 33 years married. That's so beautiful. We just celebrated our 28th anniversary, actually. But, you know, I do believe, just like you're saying, we have what we say. And, you know, we need to be careful not to be uh, saying, oh, my spouse is like this, my spouse is like that, and in a ne- in negative sense, because all it does is reinforce you know, what we are seeing with the natural. But if instead we begin to declare, uh, you know, my, my spouse, if you are speaking of your wife, my wife is beautiful. My wife is tender and loving and kind. And, you know, that actually creates an opportunity for them to become, um, and, and be free to be who you're declaring them to be. And, and the same with us. Instead of saying, oh, I'm so impatient or I'm so miserable, I'm depressed. Instead of spe- instead calling those things that be not as though they are, I'm, I'm happy. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, that's all scripture that is an invitation waiting for us to respond with the power of our words. Thank you so much to Jeff in Geraldton in WA. Let's take another call. We get another one in before the news. Myla is on the line from Albany in WA. Hello, Myla. Welcome along. Hi. Um, good morning. Great to hear um, from you. Thank you. Um, thank you for this opportunity to be able to ask questions. Um, right. Um, my question to Catherine is, um, can we actually prophesy or speak over our children or our families or friends who are unsaved for their salvation. And um, since um, the Lord's given us a free will, I just, um, how do you, um, you know, like um, explain, like how, how can we 
you know, are we allowed to, you know, speak over them for them to um, receive the Lord? Myla, that's wonderful. Less than a minute away from the news. Catherine. You know, I agree with you. We've all been given a free will and we're not manipulating people's will with this. But what we're doing is we're declaring the will of God. We know the will of God is that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. So by declaring, thank you, Lord, my family are saved. What I'm doing is I'm decreeing the will of God. They still have their free will, but by declaring his will, I'm actually, I believe, creating opportunity uh for them to begin to respond and hear the word of God. Catherine, let me just, before we continue on this conversation and talking about our words, there's something that does connect here, and I do want to invite listeners, 1-800-316-316, join in our conversation, or leave a message on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. But Catherine, you were in Vietnam just recently in December, and a huge contingent of people, 70 people are part of your team, such as the power of being on international television, uh, that went to Vietnam and you saw incredible things happen. Oh, it was such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel. Uh, we went with a team of 70 people from Australia, New Zealand and around the world and built uh, with the Vietnamese, built uh, houses, built Actually, we built two drug rehab centers, uh, with the, with the Vietnamese teams over there and, uh, visited orphanages and hospitals, t- took some medical teams and just loved on people practically. And then we had the opportunity, and this is a God thing because it is a closed country. We had the opportunity to do three Christmas festivals to talk about the meaning of Christmas with the, uh, with the churches over there with government permissions. And as a result, we saw 1,550 new decisions for Christ uh, that we were able to record, follow up, and now uh, initiate church plants um, because the good news of the gospel is something people are desperate to hear. Many of them had never even heard the name of Jesus, let alone the good news of his salvation. So, And uh, then the miracle started, the blind eyes seeing, the deaf ears opened, the cripples walking. And it was, it was on a scale like I have never seen before. The people, walk, the people who came with us who've never prayed for the sick, seeing cripples get out of wheelchairs walking. We're seeing, we saw at, at least eight people. Blind eyes open. I prayed for one of those. The rest was done by, by people who were at home, painters and builders and, uh, it's just glorious because God is kind. God is good and his word works. And we ought not to discount these sorts of stories and those miracles that happen because if we're speaking words, uh, let's just reflect for a few moments. Uh, I can see in my imagination Jesus standing before the tomb of Lazarus and he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And I can imagine Jesus uh, walking past that fig tree and cursing mm-hmm. the fig tree. Talking about life and death here, cursing that fig tree and uh, the disciples all sort of in amazement. I mean, why is that fig tree all shriveled? I mean, what's the reason and what's the purpose in all of that? And of course, Jesus had a reason for doing that. But there is a sense in which when Jesus spoke words, there were 
healings. There were people raised from the dead. There were things like the shriveling of the the fig tree. So uh, greater things shall you do when I'm gone and the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, Let's not uh, discount uh, that these things happen. And you're seeing those things happen. Absolutely. And Jesus spoke to the storm. He didn't pray to the Father, please stop the storm. He said, peace, be still. And, you know, when we are in a when we understand that as, as he is, so are we in this world, that we are one with him, that he is our head. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We can, we can recognize that we have authority to speak the will of God, uh, to speak the word of God and see situations change. And so, uh, we can speak to bodies and begin to declare them healed in the name of Jesus. I've seen it happen over and over again. Uh, but I've seen it happen even in my own life that I remember years ago when I had, um, I woke up and I had really stiff fingers and I remembered, you know, my mom had terrible arthritis and I thought, Oh no, maybe this is arthritis. Maybe I'm getting arthritis. And as soon as I even felt myself thinking those thoughts, I took them captive because I knew the word of God said that his will is that I'd prosper and be in health, that, that by his stripes we are healed, that Forget not all his benefits. He heals all our iniquities and all our diseases. So it's not the will of God that I would have arthritis. So I began to imagine what's it going to look like to have supple fingers at 90? What's it going to, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing me. Thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. My fingers are supple and healthy. And you know what? I did that every day for a week and I've never yet, never ever had the problem again. That was over 10 years ago. Let's come back to the controversial things for a few moments because this idea of just, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about uh, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, and the idea of a positive psychology, and that is not necessarily a bad thing because uh, there's something in that that's not necessarily scriptural but actually may be good. But what we really, I imagine, want to see happen with people is that they delight themselves in the Lord and he therefore almost downloads the desires of our hearts. So it's not just a positive psychology that we're trying to, uh, you know, speak uh, positive things and those things will happen, but actually speaking according to God's wisdom, his will, his purpose, his word, that's where the desires of our hearts are actually very important, aren't they? And delighting ourselves in the Lord. Absolutely. Uh, You know, he is the one that um, gives us the desires of our heart, but when we recognize that it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, that we've been crucified with him, as we reckon ourselves dead and alive to God in Christ, we recognize that Christ in us is dreaming big dreams. He's Christ in us is not dreaming of just surviving and getting through the day. He has he has desires to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, hope, or imagine. And as we begin to recognize that, thank you, Lord, I have the mind of Christ, that as we begin to love the word of God and realize that the, the desires of God is that we would be the light of the world, uh, God wants to download strategies and ideas of how our individual call is of what that looks like to see his purposes uh, come to pass on the earth. 
it's so easy to be distracted and the Tenth Commandment comes to mind. You know, don't covet your neighbor's property or your neighbor's wife, all those sorts of things. And there's a certain sense in which, you know, that commandment gets broken first, as someone says, before all the other commandments do, because there's this attitude of the heart that has the tendency to towards a sinfulness, towards a selfishness, and not towards the way that God has his will intended and for his purpose. So uh, the antidote for this seems to be that delighting yourself in the Lord and having his desires is the way to do that. And delighting yourself in the Lord somehow rather means that Somehow we have to be uh, literate in the word, because if you're not spending time in the word, you're not going to be reflecting the will of God, not going to be reflecting God's purposes, but you're only going to be having a selfish attitude. So there's there's a certain fine line here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, But I think when we are aware of the word of God that says that we have been crucified with Christ, when we are lining our lives up with the 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 word of God, what it declares, uh, then when we remind ourselves, okay, I'm reckoning myself dead today indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ, we're not going to be desiring evil things. But God God wants us to get over ourselves and realize actually that's we can reckon ourselves dead. We can agree with him that we've been crucified with him and then get on with dreaming with him. So, for example, Twenty plus years ago, the Lord began to speak to me that he wanted me to be preaching the gospel on television. Now, Australians might have a go at that and say, oh, you're just trying to promote yourself. You're full of yourself. But actually, the word of God says, I'm not full of myself. I'm full of God when I have um, given my life to Christ. And you know, as I check my heart, I realize, no, this is the desire of God. So I began to declare, I'm preaching the gospel on TV all over the world. People are getting saved while I'm asleep through the television program. And, you know, as I just began to continually declare those things that be not as though they are, God began to open the doors. And now we're seeing that happen. And so I, I've had to get past the fear of man and what people will think of, of me dreaming the dreams of God. But if we don't, then we re, we stay in this place of fear. Is it me? Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? If it's about people getting saved and healed and delivered, hearing the gospel, then you've really got a question. Uh, why, why am I worrying so much about is it me or God? When we look at the word of God and realize, well, actually, this is his desire and he's dropped this into my heart and he's making the way. All sorts of uh, those uh, negatives that you can pick up on when you talk about uh, speaking, because this idea of uh, of poverty being somehow or other that people have gleaned from the scriptures that we're all to remain poor. Now, if we do go on to success, if we do become wealthy, there are some things that have to be adjusted along the way. You have to adjust to, you know, even uh, as a minister of the gospel, uh, celebrity or success, or if wealth is coming along with that, you do have to make those adjustments along the way. But that's not outside of the will of God. That means that you've got to make adjustments as those things progress. Uh, For the person who is saying, this is something that 
that I could use to claim that new Mercedes Benz, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, or or it's probably the will of God that I win the lottery. So I better speak positively <laughs> over the fact that I'm going to buy a lottery ticket this week. Uh, I mean, those sorts of things, they they sound a little bit cheesy, they sound a little bit corny, but they can, in fact, somehow rather affect our thinking to the way we say, well, I better not be so yeah. positive in my speaking out because I might go off on a yeah. tangent. Well, you know, I think abuses should never be the uh, the reason that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, people abuse the Word of God, so we don't throw the Word of God out, though. People have used Scripture to justify all sorts of terrible things, but we don't abandon the Bible. In the same way, we don't abandon the, the principles of God, the Word of God, just because some people have abused it. And so I really believe we've got to We've got to get past focusing on what could go wrong and start focusing on what can go right when we start applying the Word of God. Let's take another call. Mike is on the line from Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Welcome along. Thanks, Neil and Catherine. Um, the Word of God is our weapon, the, the sword of the Spirit. And the centurion said to Jesus, Lord, only say the word and my servant shall be healed. So... As led by God the Holy Spirit, if we speak into the spirit realm, as when we pray, we pray into the spirit realm, we pray to God, the spirit realm hears us, and if we speak in authority, as led by the Holy Spirit, it will. Have, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Oh, amen. So good, so true. Mike from Tasmania, great insight, great input. Our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to, away from the sort of material ideas, and back to the shaping of the culture around us, yes. the shaping of our world. Uh, Catherine, there is a sense in which uh, sometimes in our prayers, and uh, oftentimes, depends on what denomination you're a part of, uh, whether there's this sort of idea of a prophetic uh, focus. So you've got prophecy and you've got prayers, but the words we're speaking are themselves, when we're founded in the Scriptures, they are prophetic. Uh, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, when you're speaking from God's Word, you're speaking a prophetic insight. Uh, what are your thoughts on the way we speak to one another, pray for one another, and the words that we use in those uh, prayers and so prophecies? Good. You know, I just think our, our last caller now nailed it really well when when they said that our, our words are weapons and they're powerful weapons for the word for the, the will of God to be established on earth and so we need to be careful about how we speak about our nation we need to be careful in that we are we need to call those things that be not as though they are and in, instead of saying oh, our nation's going down the drain it's terrible we need to start speaking life we need to start declaring this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit our nation uh, is is um is receiving the word of God that they're coming to Christ. We need to start speaking life. We need to start speaking truth over our nation that is not the truth that we see in that current circumstance, but the truth of the will of God. So, and declaring those things that be not as though they are speaking over our families, over our children, over our churches. When you're in church, instead of saying, Oh, you know, the worship's terrible. Our church is not growing. Uh, start speaking. 
Our church is filled with the love of God. Our church grows every week. That may not be the actual case, but by declaring it, what you're doing is you are prophesying the will of God and creating the opportunity for for that to happen. I sometimes say there's nothing that you can't prophesy in what you pray. Uh, and so for those who are concerned about uh, whether your church or uh, prophesies or what they think of prophecy or not, uh, there is a certain sense in which when you pray, when you're speaking out, there is prayer is a prophetic mm. uh, way of speaking as it is. And oftentimes I suspect the change in attitude about what happens in your local church often happens in the local church prayer meeting mm. when people oh, begin yes. to change the way that they pray and they're actually then praying with expectation, mm. with the aspirations of God at the center and not just, oh, woe is us, uh, things don't That's look right. real good. Well, I mean, I think of Ezekiel when the Lord took him to the Valley of Dry Bones and he said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, well... Uh, you know, Lord. You know. <laughs> and the Lord told him and he instructed him to prophesy to the bones. And as he did, they came to life and it became a great army. And in the same way, we need to prophesy to the bones, to the, to the marriages that are, are not seeming to be doing well, to the children that are not seeming to be doing well. Instead of saying, you're not doing well, you're dry bones, you're stupid, you're this, you're that, you're pathetic, you're selfish, you're self-centered. It start instead starting to speak to our children. You are you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You you are kind. You are patient. You are made in the image of God. You have a hope and a future. You're intelligent. You you have an ability to learn and to grow. When you speak like that, you are actually prophesying life instead of speaking and reinforcing the death that the enemy wants to give because he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to bring life and life more abundant. And so us as his body are also called to bring life and life more abundant. And we can do that by making these declarations and and declaring it over our children, our families, our businesses, our churches, uh, knowing that the will of God is that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. It's not prosperity for the sake of having a Mercedes. It's prosperity so that we can um, walk with God to see his plans Fulfilled, and we need to we need to realize that He wants us to prosper in every area of our life. He wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper relationally. He wants us to be in health, and so we need to use our words to agree with that. Let's take this upper level here, because we've been talking about individuals, our families, our church. Our community, let's take this up to a political level. Uh, some people don't like to talk about politics. And, uh, you know, if we're doing all these little fun things around our individuals and family in our local church, maybe that's good enough. But what about the nation, mm. Catherine? Because, uh, you know, how do we shape the nation according to the words we're using? So good. That's a really important point. Um we were just recently at Awakening Australia and uh, I was invited to to prophesy over the nation. And, you know, we could look at the situation. Uh, we could look at the, the drought that's, and it's horrible the way it's been gripping so many farmers and the, the 
But instead of focusing on how terrible it is, we need to start speaking. The drought is broken and using our words to, to see shift happen. Instead of looking at the paper and thinking, Oh, our politics is terrible and this person's doing this and this is happening. We need to recognize, okay, that's the situation. I'm not unaware of the situation, but now I'm going to use my words intentionally to say, thank you, Lord. Uh, your will is that righteousness would rule in our nation. Instead of looking at all the horrible laws that have been made recently, you know, um, that, that are so contrary to the word of God and the will of God in terms of family and life. And, uh, we can instead start, we can, we can talk about that with each other and com- complain and moan and say it's all falling apart. Or we can use our words intentionally as weapons to say, our nation is turning to God. Our nation is, is, uh, the will of God is that they would be saved. So Father, thank you, Lord, for the salvation of Australia. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving our politicians wisdom. Lord, we ask. So we make our requests known to God. We ask and we pray for our leaders that you give them wisdom, that you turn their hearts towards you to hear your voice, that you'd soften their hearts. You'd give them compassion to hear your voice, wisdom to know how to help the poor, wisdom to know how to make righteous laws. Change their hearts, oh God. We, we make these requests, but then we can start making decrees and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you that, uh, for our prime minister, Lord, we bless him. I call him blessed. I declare that he has favor. I thank you, Lord, that he has wisdom to make good decisions, that our, our local members, they have wisdom to make your decisions, that you hold the hearts of kings in your hands, Lord. So, Father, I thank you. I declare that you are turning their hearts. And uh, so these are the sort of things that we can do with our words rather than just getting into the grumbling, complaining, and knocking. I start being intentional by creating with our words. Well, we have run out of time, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, Catherine Ruanala. Uh, I know that there'll be listeners who'll keep their eye out for your new book because it's not out yet, uh, but it will be a little later this year. Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words, and undoubtedly keeping an eye on your website, glorycitychurch.com or catherineruanala.com. Uh, how do you spell all that? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, let me just say, Google some uh, some words. Uh, that sounds like uh, Catherine Ruanala. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Google will come and correct you and you'll find the website easily. Uh, Catherine, just uh, all the best with your television show, the International Daystar Television Network, uh, the books that you've written, Living in the Miraculous, Wilderness to Wonders, Life with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I guess people can get those from either of those websites. And uh, to you and your husband, Tom, uh, certainly all the best for 2019. Uh, you were the founders of Glory City Church in Brisbane. Catherine, thanks for joining us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.